the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Gee, is it my turn again? By golly, it feels like just, I don't know, a scant 22 years. 22 years. <laughs> 22 hours ago, it might have felt like 22 years. Maybe the length of the show feels like 22 years. Felt like 22 hours ago that I just said goodbye, and here we are yet once again. How are you? Good to have you with us on the Thursday edition of Lifeline, and uh, got a good program lined up. If you're a pastor, work in full-time ministry, and uh, you've given some thought, maybe your spouse has raised concerns related to retirement planning and you think well what does that look like i mean i'm in ministry i don't ever really plan to retire and yet i recognize that uh you know health later on in life may slow me down and so how do i go about putting a retirement plan together what does that look like for somebody that's in full-time ministry well our dear friend augie bow from mmbb is going to join us later on in the program to help answer those very questions so Anybody that's related to full-time pastoral work, pastoral ministry, church ministry of any sort, um, that does it full-time and needs some insights in relationship to retirement planning, you're going to want to stay tuned for that conversation coming up a little bit later on in tonight's broadcast. The news hit, and a lot of people are still scratching their heads, neighbors and friends especially, grieving the loss of an 11-year-old girl who was tortured and killed in Rodeo. Now many are wondering if they'd missed warning signs of abuse. Prosecutors in the case have charged the girl's stepmother and father, who are being held on bail, $1.4 million each. Now this goes back to March the 23rd, 3.30 a.m. Police received a telephone call asking for help in an ambulance to be sent to a home in Rodeo. First responders went on what they thought was a medical emergency. When they arrived, however, they found the 11-year-old girl dead in a bedroom with obvious signs of abuse. Now, the exact cause of her death remains under investigation, but this is demonstrative of the extremes. When people lose control and they abuse children. For a lot of us, it's even hard to fathom how anybody could do this to an innocent child. And yet we know in our fallen sin nature, it happens. And sadly, it happens far too frequently. This is National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And a timely topic to discuss is we're joined by Dr. Sharon Ford, Director of Foster Care and Adoption at Focus on the Family Ministries. Dr. Ford is a nationally recognized child welfare consultant 
and has been the president of the National Association of State Adoption Programs. And Dr. Ford, thank you so much for being with us. Craig, thank you for having me on your program this evening. A lot of folks, as I suggested in my opening remarks, really just struggle with trying to understand how anyone could be so cruel, not just to a fellow human being, but to a child. And um, I would imagine the statistics for degrees of child abuse, and I understand that this is perhaps more in the extreme, but other ways, but it might be just simple neglect, malnutrition, uh, emotional abuse, up to and including sexual and physical abuse. This just happens far too often. What is it? Is it society today? Is it better reporting? Is it a fundamental change in our moral standards that allows people to feel as if they can somehow abuse children and get away with it? Well, you know, I I wish I had an answer for that. What I can say is it's all the things that you mentioned and then some. Mm. Our society today is not what it was 50 years ago, even 20 years ago. What we know is that there are more stressors different than 10 years ago even. The, the uh, uh, continual use of um, drugs and alcohol, isolation, um, when families are isolated and they're going through difficult times, they don't have someone else to hold them accountable, that reasonable, you know, checking in with each other, questioning, hey, are you doing okay? Uh, we've been sheltered in for the past year. And um, people who would normally have eyes on children, having um, eyes on even the parents, that hasn't been happening. Um, and, and so kids are falling through the crack. And my God, this precious 11-year-old child is now dead because there wasn't someone else who could care for her and intervene in a time when she most needed help. So it sounds like, at least in this case and and in many others, that over the course of the last year, this pressure cooker that has been created in the wake of COVID-19, where really there's been two additional, um, I suppose, contributory factors to what we're seeing as a significant uptick in child abuse across the nation. One is the stress, the pressure, the isolation, a family that maybe is dealing with a loss of income, dad's not sure how he's going to pay the rent next month, and and that certainly brings a tremendous degree of stress to bear, and there may not be an appropriate outlet or controls for that individual, and so they take it out on the child because they can. Coupled with, as you suggest, Dr. Ford, a decrease in some of the safety nets that are there. A child that's going to school every day, if they show up with uh, bruises or you know obvious signs of, of injury, there's going to be an adult around, a teacher that's going to ask questions and potentially report that family to authorities if indeed there is a, a, a serious suspect of child abuse taking place. So we, we really have seen then um, almost the perfect storm, I suppose, when it comes to this impact of additional child abuse taking place. That's exactly it. There, there wasn't a teacher. 
There wasn't a child care provider. This little one probably wasn't even going outside and playing where they would be able to see another child or another child's parents to say, I need help. Um, they were sheltered in the house with their abuser. And so um, she's not the only one, unfortunately. There are other kids who are sheltered in with their abusers. That's why it's so important right now for caring, mindful adults. When you see something, please, please don't think that somebody else is taking care of it. Somebody else will report. Will you please pick up the phone? You don't have to have all the information. You don't need all the details. But what you, when you see something, when you suspect something, tell someone. Tell someone in authority who has the ability to go in and investigate, to check on the child. They're, they're not going to just leave a note on the door. They're going to knock on the door. They're going to wait for those adults to open the door, and they want to see that child, even if it means law enforcement going to the house and demanding to come in to see that child, that we are the protectors of children. And if we don't step up and speak up, then the result is that we have children with broken bones, we have children who are deceased now. We have children who slip through the cracks, and nobody knows what happens to them. And, you know, the irony, Dr. Ford, is so often when these cases come to light, we will hear stories of distant family members, of friends, of neighbors that will say, yeah, they, there did seem to be something a little odd. That child seemed to be excessively shy and, and, and almost withdrawn when in the company of other adults, or the behavior seemed to be odd in one fashion or another. I remember, for example, a story out of Southern California, and this goes back maybe two or three years ago, tops. David and Louise Turpin. They had 13 children, and there was significant abuse that took place over the course of, get this, uh, more than 20 years. And in oh fact, uh, by the time they got brought to, uh, to bear uh, with one of the daughters being able to escape the home and calling police, uh, they had determined that these children had been abused from 1989 all the way through to 2018. And many of them were even suffering from uh, significant malnutrition where neighbors would see them and would anticipate that, you know, the 12-year-old the, the is 12 when in fact the 12-year-old is 22 years old, but, but so thin and emaciated from malnutrition, you couldn't tell the difference. Once that case came to light, Dr. Ford, it is heartbreaking to hear the stories of people that were in contact, either, you know, routinely or at a distance with this family that said, you know, I thought I saw something that seemed to be funny, but I just didn't do anything. And I guess that's the real danger here. If you've just joined us, Dr. Sharon Ford is with us, the Director for Foster Care and Adoption at Focus on the Family. This month of April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and the real focus this year is not just simple prevention, but prevention with purpose. And we'll get to a better understanding of what that means as our conversation with Dr. Sharon Ford continues. We take a brief time out. Let's get you an update on traffic right now. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
The month of April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And while it's certainly important to detect these cases, as we've been discussing with Dr. Sharon Ford, Director of Foster Care and Adoption at Focus on the Family, but even more important to do what we can to prevent these statistics from ever happening in the first place. And let, let's get down to that point. You know, it's one thing, Dr. Ford, to say, well, thank goodness that, uh, at least in the case of the Turpins, that one of the daughters was able to escape and contact authorities, and um, the children were removed from that home, and last report were, uh, were thriving and doing much, much better. Um, and yet, just imagine how different those children's lives could be had not only somebody caught this earlier, but even better still, had the circumstances that allowed this to happen not not take place in the first place. So let's talk a bit about this notion of prevention with purpose. What exactly does that mean? Prevention with purpose means that what would a reasonable person think when they see a situation? If you see a child who's walking around with bruises, what does a reasonable person think when they see that? There's something going on. Don't have answers? Lots of questions. Pick up the phone and call. You know, if a, your coworker who normally every day comes to work, Monday to Friday, at 8.15, they're there at their desk, and they didn't show up the first day, the second day, wouldn't you pick up the phone? Wouldn't you maybe do a well child check? Um, oh, um, a well check and go to their house or send someone to their house to make sure they were okay? If you would do that for a coworker, why not do that for a child? And so it's about being proactive. Prevention with purpose is about being proactive versus reactive. So it's one, it's about being informed. Children having conversations that sound like adult conversations, children having behaviors that seem suspect, children who are withdrawn, they're unkempt when normally they are very, you know, very meticulous about their clothing and bathing, and now they're not. Something is suspect. It causes a reasonable person to go, hmm. So if you're having that hmm moment, don't turn a blind eye. Don't turn a deaf ear to the situation. Pick up the phone and call. There is a 1-800 number, 1-800-422-4453. That 1-800 number is a hotline for child abuse and neglect reporting. You don't have to be in the right community to use that number. It's good for any community. And they will direct that call to the appropriate people, authorities, so that an investigation can occur. We want to prevent you know, abuse before it happens. And, you know, so often we'll hear the excuse, well, you know, I, I didn't want to get involved or, oh, I don't want to make a false accusation. Just imagine that that would create so many problems for these people. And yet, don't you imagine that that little 11-year-old girl in Rodeo, um, that somebody had, had said, you know what, whether it creates problems or not, and this is not, you know, this is not to be intentional, intentionally a, a rabble-rousing neighbor, 
But if you see something that clearly is off, isn't it better to to have an investigation take place and find out, nope, uh, you, you made a mistake, as opposed to fail to do anything and then find out that the child winds up dead? You bet. It's child welfare's responsibility to investigate reports. They receive the referral. They investigate possible child abuse and neglect. You know, I bet there are families who want, they're waiting for someone to tell, to get them help. Sometimes people are so caught up in their own situation that they don't call and get the help that they need. But if their neighbor would call, they might be upset at first, but there's a part of them that are relieved that finally um, somebody's helping me, someone's seeing that I need help. Maybe the mom's out of control. Maybe she's having postpartum depression. And so that little infant who can't speak up for themselves needs help. You see her, that mom being withdrawn, not acting like, you know, a a, a new mom would. Speak up. Help her. Get her the support that she needs. Dad's lost his job. He's been the breadwinner, and now he's not. That's a lot of stress on him. How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to take care of, you know, our family? We're going to lose the family car. How can I work then? And so he's angry and he takes that out, not purposely trying to harm his child, but in the process of having a, an argument maybe with the wife, the child intervenes and they get hurt. That dad is crying for help. And that child needs your intervention. So being purposefully purposely stepping in and being the the voice for that child when they can't speak for themselves. Prevention. And to recognize, I think, too, Dr. Ford, that sometimes people say, well, there's a mother in the the household. Clearly, one of the other adults in the house, if there's something going on, will say something. But you never know that perhaps there is a abusive situation where extreme intimidation is being used and maybe one or other of the parents are are afraid to say something because well what will happen to us you know he's the breadwinner and and we'll lose the roof over our heads or whatever the circumstances might be that oftentimes an abuser is able to to get others to kind of be participatory through their silence out of fear and intimidation. So don't suppose just because there is an older child or another adult in the household that surely somebody will say something because they very well may be, if not participatory in the abuse, as in the case of uh, uh, David and Louise Turpin, where they were both uh, abusing the children, or it could be that the, the stronger personality in the household, it's often men, but not always, could be abusing both children and spouse. So you could really become the hero, in a sense, uh, by at least raising the, the word of caution. What's the best approach, Dr. Ford, in terms of who do we call? Do we go straight to the police? Do we talk to school authorities? What do we do? Well, um, in some jurisdictions, calling the police is the answer because the police will show up and they can call um, child welfare services to meet them um, at the home so that they can do the investigation. The police are about criminal situations. Child welfare is about the civil um, um, situation. And so they want, child welfare needs to be there to do an investigation, 
collect information, and if there are criminal charges that need to be filed, that's what law enforcement is for. So, yes, do pick up the phone. If you can't do anything else but dial 911, dial 911. If you need, um, I'll repeat our the hotline number for child abuse and neglect, 1-800-422-4453. Call that number and let child welfare do its job and step in and protect a child from losing their life, having a broken bone, or having bumps and bruises. And not all bruises are are external so that people can see. That's why we need to pay attention to how children are behaving. If If you're outside with a child and you raise your hand and all of a sudden that child is cringing and you're not raising your hand to harm the child you just raised your hand and that child is, is, is pulling away as though they think they're about to be hit that child is letting you know that, that they're responding in fear and they need help and again that uh, toll-free number that dr ford mentioned 800-422-4453 you can also go to childwelfare.gov that's childwelfare. Gov. I'd like to thank Dr. Sharon Ford, the Director for Foster Care and Adoption at Focus on the Family, for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. I want to pivot to a different topic for just a moment. You know, for over a year now, the global COVID pandemic has ravaged the world and certainly our nation. Millions of lives have been impacted, hundreds of thousands of lives lost, Businesses shuttered, entire industries on the verge of collapse, health fairs, economic worry, and the gnawing sense of dread have left many of our fellow Americans feeling hopeless. Into this void comes an encouraging and uplifting film that I want to tell you about, and it's so good that it even got an incredible 96% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's called The Girl Who Believes in Miracles, and in many ways, it's a model for all of us, especially as Christians. To learn how to manage the day-to-day challenges presented by the pandemic. Now, throughout the film, the protagonist, Sarah, has the same response to each seemingly insurmountable problem that confronts her. She prays for God to meet those in need with a miracle that turns their mourning into dancing. Director Rich Correll says the lesson of this film is that no situation, no matter how dire or painful, is beyond God's reach and his ability to hearten and heal. In The Girl Who Believes in Miracles, young Sarah Hopkins is, unlike most people, willing to take God at his word. So when she hears a preacher say faith can move mountains, she starts praying. What begins with a mysteriously healed bird leads to people suddenly cured of their misery and misfortune all over town. The Girl Who Believes in Miracles, starring Academy Award winner Myra Solvino and Emmy Award winner Peter Coyote. The Girl Who Believes in Miracles. Check this film out. You'll be uplifted, entertained, and encouraged. Now in theaters across the Bay Area. 532 from KFAX. Let's get you a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, another nice update today for all of the major indices. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ending the day up 57 points to close at 33,503. The Nasdaq up 140 to close at 13,829. And the S&P 500 up 17 
not a big uptick, but that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll forgive it since it crossed into another uh, record-breaking territory this week. Today, ending the day at 4,097. And, of course, the old adage, you got to be in it to win it, right? People look at the stock market and get a sense of uh, confusion and intimidation, and rightfully so. And that's not just a problem for the average investor like you and me trying to plan to maybe save for a child's education, buy a home, or ultimately that uh, that end game goal of retirement. But imagine if you and I find it difficult and we enjoy things like 401ks and maybe there's a contribution from the company that comes with it and all of these resources that are available to us. But for many involved in full-time ministry, such is not the case. And that's sad because oftentimes pastors will work a lifetime in dedication and service to the body of Christ. And then when they reach the point where, and I know many that don't want to retire, but oftentimes health just uh, dictates otherwise, and they reach that point in life where they're ready to or they need to, and they can't because the resources simply aren't there. And during the course of their lifetime, they, like us, were intimidated by Wall Street, never did anything, or felt as if they just didn't have the resources and tools at their disposal to know how to plan appropriately for retirement. Well, if you're involved in ministry of any sort on a full-time basis and that describes you, then you're going to be very, very pleased to have uh, stuck it out in today's program because my next guest, Reverend Augie Bao, is going to offer some insights and talk about many of the tools and resources that are available to those involved in full-time ministry as how they, too, can plan for Retirement. Augie is with MMBB. He has an MBA from the University of California at Berkeley. He is a certified financial planner, an ordained Baptist minister, and he's got some pretty cool moves on the basketball court, too, I might add. And Augie, great to have you with us. Yeah, good to be with you, Craig. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk a bit about, first, just this sense of, of, of fear and intimidation. You know, I, I start by sharing the numbers on Wall Street, and I know that a lot of people say, Craig, I don't, I don't really know what that means. You could say it was up $10 billion and I don't know if I should be uh, disappointed or impressed. And, and, of course, I think that kind of goes um, hand in glove with this sense that a lot of folks just don't understand what retirement planning is. They kind of know, they kind of have the idea that they need to do it, but they're not sure how or where to get started. And if that's a challenge for folks that are working for companies that provide 401ks and assist them with, uh, with retirement planning, just imagine what happens with somebody that's involved in full-time ministry that doesn't have any of those benefits. You're absolutely right. Most pastors tend to be great evangelists, speakers, pastoral care, etc., and in fact, my MBA thesis from UC Berkeley was on church administration. I surveyed about 50 churches in the Bay Area, and I concluded that most pastors' the strong suits are things like preaching, um, pastoral care, and so on, and administration and finances tend to be on the bottom of the list. So as you've correctly identified, for a lot of people, um, finances, investments, retirements, are very mysterious, but even more so for people in ministry. 
Now, help us understand, Augie, because I mentioned about the fact that you yourself are an ordained minister. What drew you into this line of work? What what said you, you know, I think I'd like to help pastors and those engaged in full-time ministry within the church learn how to prepare and get ready for eventual retirement. What what was it that drew you in? Basically, I was working on my MBA in the late 80s. And I attended a conference sponsored by InterVarsity, and God clearly spoke to me through the speaker. And what the speaker said, if you feel like God is calling you to do something, and you settle for second best, you might spend the rest of your life wondering, what if? What if I had heeded God's first call? And I knew for myself, I've always had an interest in both ministry as well as business and finance. And here I was, almost done with my MBA degree, ready to go into corporate world, possibly make big bucks. But God clearly told me in my heart that my first calling was to go to ministry. So I went straight from the MBA program to seminary, got my MDiv. And in hindsight, God was preparing me along both tracks in what I'm doing now, which combines the two. I work for MMBB, which is a church pension board. So it's working with churches, it's a ministry, but it's also using the skills and the education and the tools I learned from the MBA and from getting my certified financial planning certification. And I've been doing this since 1990. So it's 31 years and counting, Craig, which is hard to believe. And yet you're still kind of the new kid at MMBB, and I say that, Augie, because this organization, as a nonprofit organization assisting pastors um, in, in preparation for retirement, it's been around a couple of days even longer than 31 years, hasn't it? Exactly. We've been around since 1911, which is over a century of service, and we specialize in the retirement accounts for pastors. So um, that's our niche. We have about 70 full-time staff, and we understand the ins and outs in terms of how tough it is for pastors to build up a sufficient retirement account. We understand things like housing allowance, clergy taxes, and so on. And we have certified financial planners who get this, provide free comprehensive financial plans for our members. So even if we have pastors who have no knowledge about finances, we'll walk alongside them, we'll partner with them, we'll come up with a detailed financial plan to make it possible for them to retire down the road like everybody else. And MMBB, as you point out, has been around for over a century. It has, I understand, um, significant holdings in terms of assets under management. And what's beautiful about this organization, I'm saying this specifically to pastors eavesdropping on this conversation, what's beautiful about MMBB, as Augie just alluded to, uh, they provide financial planning services at no cost to you, 
And in fact, as they manage and help you grow your nest egg in preparation for retirement, you know, you always hear about, well, it's not what you earn, it's what you get to keep. And after the tax man and the fees and brokerage fees and commissions get all drained off, there's not that much left. Well, that's not the case with MMBB. In fact, uh, they provide this service at absolutely zero expense to you as a pastor or individual involved in full-time ministry. If you've just joined us, Reverend Augie Bow with us. He is an MMBB retirement benefits consultant working here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. We'll tell you how you can contact Augie in a few minutes and talk a bit more about many of the services that are offered through MMBB that can assist both churches and individual pastors prepare with the legacy planning, the retirement planning necessary as a minister reaches the end of his full-time pulpit career, but, you know, now uh, ready for a little relaxation time or maybe health is uh, putting them in a circumstance where they'd like to continue working full-time but simply can't, making sure that the necessary resources are, avail- are available so that pastor can retire as comfortably and as safely and securely as the rest of us. That's really the goal here. We'll get back to more of our conversation with Reverend Augie Bow from MMBB. Information, by the way, available on the web at mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. This time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking with Reverend Augie Bow. He's kind of the uh, he's kind of the new kid over at MMBB. He's only been with the organization for thirty one years. Of course, I say new because <laughs> MMBB has been around for one hundred and ten years as serving ministers from all kinds of denominations across the country, and essentially helping to not only demystify the process but help pastors and churches come up with a plan that will allow a pastor to eventually comfortably retire and at the end of the day that's the goal for all of us and i think you know most importantly augie the fact that so often folks feel intimidated by this process because they don't know how the markets work there's oftentimes an inclination of well i i i'll i'll deal with it tomorrow and tomorrow never comes, and when tomorrow does arrive, finally you're in your 60s realizing it's time to hang it up whether you want to or not. And into that void steps MMBB. Talk to us a bit about uh, some of the the comprehensive plans that are available and uh, kind of the overall philosophy and approach that MMBB takes in working with individual pastors and churches. Yeah, um, our, our comprehensive plan, Craig, it's a plan which we recommend for most full-time pastors. Um, the bottom line cost is 10% of salary. So the pastor's making 3000 a month. The cost would be only 300 per month. And what this comprehensive plan does is it includes three components, the retirement plan, which is the, the core part of it, but it also includes disability insurance and life insurance. And especially during this COVID environment, unfortunately, quite a few folks have been getting sick and half a million Americans have passed away um, during this COVID pandemic. It protects the pastor, um, not only with retirement, but also disability in case the pastor's out for a few months 
and life insurance in case something happens to the pastor. And this is our core plan. It's called a comprehensive plan, and the bottom line cost is 10% of the pastor's salary. And part of the historical tidbit, Craig, is that MMBB was blessed in that Ebenezer Baptist Church enrolled Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the comprehensive plan in the early 60s. So MMBB was able to provide a decent life insurance check for Mrs. Coretta Scott King upon the unfortunate passing of Dr. King. So um, this is the comprehensive plan, and it's three-in-one with retirement, life insurance, and disability. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Augie, because, you know, there are stories that we hear every now and then about a pastor, he's receiving a little bit of a pension, maybe some folks in church have kind of chipped in to help him out uh, in his retirement years. He passes away, and suddenly that widow that's left behind is wondering, well, wait a minute, what about me? I I stood beside him all of those years. I don't have any benefits, uh, so what's going to happen to me? And the beauty of putting together a comprehensive retirement plan that will allow a pastor to enjoy ongoing retirement benefits means that upon his death, those benefits get passed on to the wife as opposed to just cutting them off, which sometimes happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And two weeks ago... um, one of the significant leaders um, passed away in um, one of the African-American denominations, and I had enrolled this bishop um, several years ago, and I personally made a call to, to his wife, expressed my condolences, I prayed for her, but I, I, I was glad that I was able to, to say MMBB was sending a fairly decent life insurance check for her. And built into the comprehensive plan is what we call the widow's annuity. Even if somebody has a modest retirement account, um, the the wife is guaranteed a minimum of $6,000 per year for the rest of her life if a pastor passes away before retirement. Wow. And, you know, somebody says, well, that's not much, but uh, to an individual that is struggling to make ends meet, uh, that can be make it or break it money. It really can. And it's just part of the services that are offered through MMBB. Now, folks eavesdropping on our conversation might say, this is fascinating. What do I need to do to sign up? How do I get started? How do I begin to even ascertain how much I need to start setting aside. And and some folks listening might even say, you know, our pastor's been in this church for 20 years. We as the congregation have just, well, we've kind of failed in our due diligence to set something up for pastor. Uh, Is there ever any such thing as it being too late? And if this is a beneficial program for pastor, what about the other staff members? The plan is available for for everybody. Um, any paid staff of a church. The comprehensive plan is the plan we recommend for everybody, but if the budget is more modest, um, people can get started in our retirement-only plan for just $50 per month. And one of the important items that we offer that other secular financial institutions cannot offer is that we're able to designate distributions in retirement as tax-free housing allowance. Um, Let me repeat that, Craig, because it's really important. Most people pay taxes 
upon their retirement distributions, but the IRS allows MMBB to declare distributions in retirement as tax-free housing allowance for ministers. And that would include if a minister has a decent retirement account built up elsewhere, if they roll it over to MMBB, we can save them gobs of taxes because we're able to declare retirement distributions as tax-free housing for pastors. And that's a huge and substantial tax advantage we have, which other financial institutions don't. And uh, you know what? Some people, if they accidentally <laughs> put their foot through the floorboard, uh, pressing on the brake when they heard that, uh, it, it bears repeating that there is a, a special agreement that MMBB has with the IRS that allows those disper- uh, disbursements that normally in a, a traditional IRA or a 401k would become tax deferred, obviously, as you're accumulating in the accumulation phase of the money. And then once you move into the disbursement phase, then it gets exposed to taxes. You've heard people talk about the required minimum distribution, which now at the age of 72 means you have to start and it's based on longevity timetables, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the IRS wants its money. And so as you begin to draw down on your IRA or your 401k, you pay taxes on that money, but not through this program. Now, let me emphasize, this is only for those involved in full-time ministry, and there's a whole variety of programs available. So the best way to get more information for yourself, your church, or your pastor is to contact Augie Bow, set up an appointment. The consultation is free. The services are free. So you've got nothing to lose and a retirement free from worry to gain. You can go online to mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. Or you can call Augie direct at area code 917 917- Two zero nine 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 one one. Let me repeat that. That's nine one seven two zero nine 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 one one. And and Augie, you not only work all over the Bay Area, but actually you handle a lot of uh, territory here on the West Coast as well. So whether somebody is listening to our conversation in San Jose or the Peninsula or up in Vallejo in the North Bay, you can you can provide services to them no matter where they're at. Exactly. And I cover the West Coast and Hawaii. Somebody's got to do Hawaii. And I'm <laughs> right here in Castle Valley, but I'm working from home. And if people have friends or pastors or churches in other parts of the country, would be glad to be a service to them, too. I know a couple of pastor friends that say, you know, I'd like to take advantage of that the fact that you service the Hawaii territory. I don't live in Hawaii, but we can meet in Hawaii <laughs> and we'll discuss this. Hey, Augie, thanks so much for giving us that update and sharing some insights. This is really an amazing ministry and it really is ministry. And it's it's an organization that has a heart for churches. As you heard from Augie, he has a pastoral background. So, you know, he sits kind of on the same side of the table, so to speak, when there's a discussion pertaining to um, pastor's needs, the church's needs, and how to go about establishing the goals for retirement and then achieving those goals. So whether you're working full-time in ministry, serving as a, a youth minister, assistant pastor, senior pastor, a member of the church board, and you'd like to establish a retirement program for your staff, contact Augie Bow at MMBB, online at mmbb.org, or again, you can call him at area 
code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. And yes, Augie will meet with you in the convenience of your home, your church, or even in Hawaii if you're willing to pick up the tickets. <laughs> There's Augie Bow. Augie, thanks so much for the update. Six o'clock from KFAX. Let's get you an update now.